0: You guys good? You glad to be in the house of God? Touch your neighbors. Say they look good today. It's okay to lie. There's forgiveness. Um, I'm so glad you're here. We're finishing up our series about Jesus on the couch. What it would look like if Jesus actually sat between you and other people in your uh, family, your marriage, if you're dating, uh, what that looks like with Jesus on the couch. Um, you're going to love today's sermon. Just... I'm not going to tell you about it just yet because it's, uh, it's Pastor Aaron and Neela's birthday today. Anybody? uh, Yeah. One step closer to death. Um, one step closer to Jesus, to Jesus, uh, of all the family and all the people on the earth. Don't you love it that, uh, this is, this earth is not our home. That's why you feel out of place here. Sometimes this earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. If you're a son or daughter of God, there is something much greater awaiting you. We just got to get as many people uh, as we can to. Here's the gospel of Christ. Sin is a problem, and it separates you from a holy God. Jesus came and died on a cross because it's not a mistake. It's sin, guys. And he, the holy lamb of God, was sacrificed, the final sacrifice to bring us into adoption to his father. So we actually have the rights and privileges of Jesus if you've given your life over to him. And then in all of eternity, we get to spend all of eternity with God where we were intended to spend it. But how you spend time on this earth matters a great deal. And you make an allegiance with God here or you reject God here. And we just want to give you an opportunity to come into the family of God. But this earth is not our home. It's a bit of a mess. And uh, But heaven is not a dumpster fire. Say Amen. So it's my wife's birthday today. Anybody else have a birthday? Is this your birthday weekend? Jenny? Jenny? Anna's birthday, dude? Are you just faking it now? I feel like you're just faking it now. I mean, like, it's my birthday. Like when you go to Montana's you get the extra dessert or whatever. Like, it's my birthday. Can we see some ID? Like, oh. Uh, Our oldest girls and a bunch of uh, your friends are in El Salvador today. (laughs) So uh, that's awesome. They were doing a little church service on a volcano there. And I'm like, I don't know if you all Canadians understand that that's not a great place. Uh, So they were on a volcano. I got pictures this morning. So that's going to be awesome to hear. Uh, Also, just so you know, um, we've already uh, donated two houses, but we donated another. They needed another half a house so they can have another house to build. Uh, for poor families in El Salvador. So we're just like, yeah, of course, of course we're in for another half a house. So great job. We have our our Easter giving, we're announcing that. So we've been a little quiet about giving lately, but we have a a bunch of Easter giving uh, in our city and and abroad that we're gonna announce uh, in a few weeks here. So Uh, what are you guys doing like Wednesday at about 7? First Wednesday, oh my goodness, um, it is a worship and like a prophetic teaching moment and a night of ministry where you get to get prayed for. Not that you can't after church today, you're welcome to get prayed for, but it's an incredible night. We have some pastors, uh, Chris and Angela, coming from Nanaimo, uh, BC, um, home of the Nanaimo Bar. Is it? Does anybody know this? Where else would it come from? Like, why would you name it a Nanaimo Bar? Like, hey, we should call this a Nanaimo Bar. Um, we're just going to bless them as a church family, some pastor friends of ours that just want to see how we do church. And so come and meet them. It's going to be awesome. Happy birthday to you. Don't look at it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Pastor Neela and everybody else who faked their birthday. Happy birthday to you. Um, awesome. And Easter is coming up. Invite somebody that you never thought would come to church to Easter because they still think that they should probably go to church on Easter. Also, what I would say is don't lock mom in the kitchen cooking for you on Easter morning. Easter is about the resurrected Jesus. Plan your family dinner so that we honor the Lord and bring people to Jesus. It's like having Christmas and forgetting about Jesus. It just doesn't make any sense in my brain. Okay, thank you, Sean. Today's sermon is called In-Laws and Outlaws. How do we get our extended family to shut up? No, I'm just kidding. How do we... Come on, Easter's coming up. How do we interact with extended family and church family? Like, where does this all kind of play... In here, Pastor Aaron and I did a, a small group that was actually a very big small group in the fall. And so she's helped me prepare this. Um, I was actually supposed to be pre- preaching, preaching for a friend of mine who's doing his dad's funeral right now. Oh, my goodness, in Texas. Um, and so I was like, uh, he asked me to preach for him and another friend. And I asked my other friend, like, can you do this? Because I was going to go to Pastor Aaron and be like, hey, how would you feel about preaching three sermons on your birthday? And she's like, that is a terrible birthday present. Um, so, it, so I'm here. Uh, but she helped me prepare this. I'm um, back when we did some of that. Now, there's three options for dealing with your extended family. Now, the room's going to get tense, I'm just telling you. The other service did, you're going to get tense. Relax, I'll tell jokes. <laughs> there's three ways that you can decide how you're going to deal with your extended family. Either you decide, either they decide, or <laughs> probably the better option is that God decides. When God decides things, God is not confused about how families should work. And you know, I know that your troubles seem like a lot to you, but God loves you greatly. He has unlimited power to change things. But there are other things at play here that sometimes what we're doing is in, in me deciding or in allowing the strongest personality in my extended family to decide how we're gonna interact, then God is not really having his way. And so our, our goal today is like, if God has his way, it's gonna be best for everybody. Um, extended family in-laws need godly boundaries so they don't become outlaws and if you have a mother-in-law say amen. amen if your mother-in-law is here do not i should i should have said that first do not say amen but if she's not here you can do whatever you want um paul <laughs> do <laughs> oh you will pay for that um oh yeah it's gonna get worse um first corinthians 12 Paul is addressing a church that's a, a huge dumpster fire right now. And um, <clears throat> so he's dealing with such complicated issues in the church. But this is what it, how he concludes this sentence by the Holy Spirit. We each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life. We become part of the family of God. Large, integrated life. Destiny, purpose, safety. This is bigger than anything you can do by yourself. In which he has the final say in everything. So that today is my goal in the sermon is that you shouldn't have the final say. Your mother-in-law shouldn't have the final say. Your two-year-old child should never have a say about anything. How do we get God to have the final say? Because here's the other side of that. We're always trying to change hearts. Like if I say this in just the right way, maybe I can change their heart. I don't even think you can do that with your own heart. I think it takes God to really do it change in heart. So let's like, how do we hear God speak? How do we get God into these scenarios? How do we invite him in? Um, now what if the way that you think about how you're, um, um, interacting with your extended family and your church family, what if the way that you think is actually hindering God from moving because all the best intentions in the world, everybody's got an opinion about what would fix your marriage, including a lot of divorced people. Oh, it's going to get worse. You just laugh. Just help me out. Opinions will not fix it. Now, some of you are thinking, like, I don't know if Jesus wants to sit on the couch with my extended family. Um, he does. Your extended family might not want him there. So I'm going to talk, like, what So, what happens if we lay boundaries out and they don't want to? Well, we'll, we'll talk about all of that. So, But opinions will not fix your marriage. But everybody's going to have something to say. One time, Pastor Aaron and I were having, like a, like, a tiny argument about something, which we do all the time. It's a birthday, so maybe not today, but... I always get a little trustful. Some people are like, we've never had a fight in our marriage. And I'm like, maybe you're not doing anything, you know, like maybe you're not doing anything that's worth a marriage. That's I'm like, if you're climbing a mountain and doing things that are hard, like here's going to be some struggle. All that to say is we were having a little bit of a fight. And, um, and a, a single divorced lady overheard me say something to her. And then she said to me, this single divorced lady, did you say this sentence to your wife? And I thought, like, who are you? Like, why Why are... But then I said, no, I didn't say that. So she either wanted me to say something, misheard what I said. And I said, I didn't say that. And then she proceeded to give me heck for what I didn't say. So, now, I'm a cope, and I don't have a box to put that in. I'm just like, what are we doing here, you know? And then my, my, I'm like... And she, then this was her response. I'm just trying to help. And then I said, is it helping? <laughs> I feel like it's not. This is one of those places where, where it's like, hey, I have great advice for you, but I'm like, but you're single and divorced. Like you're gonna tell me how to be a better husband and father, but you're not. I'm even a man at all. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it doesn't, it's not working for me here. I'm like, unless you want me to toss a, a lecture about childbirth. Come on ladies, I'm gonna tee you up and you're like, you want me to tell you what that was like? I don't know what that was like. I'm gonna keep I'm dang mouth shut and be like, thank you, Pastor, for four beautiful children. Were you there? I was there. I did no work. I got the useless husband job. Hey, watch this baby heart rate monitor and let me know if it gets above this number, said the nurse. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. And then it did, and I did, and she's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) I was a useless guy. So I didn't do any of that. I'm not going to lecture you. God only, see, opinions without revelation are very dangerous. Look, the opposite of what you grew up with that was a horrible mess doesn't make it the right way to do it. Every child is different. There's a thousand parenting techniques. You need God to be speaking to figure this child out so we can get this child into the destiny to fix this marriage, to fix your heart, to fix their mind. Opinions without revelation are dangerous, but God only anoints whom he appoints. So you got to understand that, that God is, look, he's not here to keep your word. He doesn't care what you say. But if you say something that he is saying in a situation, then he will, with all of his power and his love, start working and moving in the hearts and lives of people. But he, he speaks through whom he speaks through. You just got to get through your head that you're not God and you don't get to demand anything from God of like, hey, you need to tell me. God's like, no, I know the best way that this is going to work. I know the best way your extended family should work. We just need to listen to the Lord. Now, let me, what does extended family mean? Genesis uh, 2 um, says this, this is, explains why a man leaves his father and mother. Okay. Picture that. And is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So this union. So when we're talking about immediate family, we're talking about, this is an immediate family. Mom and dad has produced offspring. This is an immediate family. But when a man gets married or woman gets married, it says we leave this immediate family and we make this immediate family, okay? So the minute I got married, my parents, and they're the ones who taught me this, my parents are no longer my immediate family because a new immediate family is formed. The two become one flesh, children are produced out of this. The two become one flesh. I still can't be, this changes is what it's saying. This changes. So my parents are not my immediate family. This is my immediate family. My parents now become my extended family. That relationship changes. now. Is this helping you? Now, this is what they taught me. So this is how it changes, is that when they're living, when my kids are living under my roof right now, Neela has no choice if she wants to eat and live indoors, take the garbage out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can direct and correct. I do not need her permission. Permission has been granted when her mother bore her. It is my job to direct and to correct, to bring the word of the Lord to bear. I have to take the responsibility as a father and as a mother. We have to take this responsibility. We are directing and we are correcting. So we are not waiting for anything. We are very proactive in that. But the moment that I moved out of my parents' house and married Pastor Aaron, my parents went from, in their parental roles, went from directing and correcting, you ready, to encouraging, supporting, and praying for. So my dad used to say, Corey, spend your money like this. Now, I noticed, this is what he said. You could spend your money like this or like this. This is what I do. But now if we could take the drama out of your extended family. Like why did they paint their door red? I would have painted it blue. I am upset. Should you be? What if they want to live with an ugly door? Laugh for people who think it's you. (laughs) Opinions without revelation are dangerous. Now, I'm a very strongly opinionated person. So God, when he showed me this, he had to really break a lot of things inside of me so that I can go from this place of like, okay, I have an opinion about this, but I may have no revelation because God only anoints whom he appoints and he only speaks through whom he speaks through. And I don't want to fight against God. So now we got to figure out what to do with the rest of our extended family and our cousin Joe, who thinks that they are part of an immediate family that they are not. Now, if they're not paying the bills, they can't come in and discipline your kids. It's a little tricky if you're staying at your mom's house and she's paying your bills. I would suggest getting a job and paying for yourself. Is what I would suggest because Pastor Aaron and I are tired of paying for you, and the government. Come on, somebody, say amen. People think you're hippies. Work so you can eat, but then pay your bills. It gives you authority to. Okay. Now, what do we do with the rest? Um, this is what. See, you move out from under this roof. Now, this roof, this immediate family should already be under the church. In God's family. If you're under there, then God is speaking. God is protecting. God is working. Even when you make mistakes, God seems to work things out. But when you move over here, this family is no longer directly under the spiritual authority of this family, which should be under the authority of the church. It becomes its own entity that then needs to volunteer itself under the church authority. So when I got married, the first thing I did, one of the first things I did is I went to not my dad, but my pastor. My dad was my pastor. It's a mess. Pastors' kids are all messed up. But I had to learn, like, when's he my dad? When's he my pastor? When's mom my mom when she's my pastor? So I went there and I said, listen, as the ultimate one responsible for this home, I am coming to you so that when I get off, I get corrected and directed by you. I'm giving you permission. This is your role. I see it as your role. I want you in this role. You don't have to wait for anything to tell me something. Direct me, correct me, because... When I go crazy, my kids still ought to be safe and protected and living in their destiny, yeah. and I ought to be corrected so that somebody can bring this family back on track. And yeah. So that is what we did. Now, as my father, though, and as my mother, that role had to change because they don't get to be directive and corrective anymore. Neither can I go into my dad's garage and like, be like, I don't like the way he's got his tools. <laughs> then he comes back from somewhere, and I've reorganized his garage. And he would be like, don't ever come into my grad again. <laughs> so I have a decision to make now because I don't get to go into his I don't get to walk into my mom's house and not take my shoes off. In my house, I can do that. <laughs> my footprints are pretty obvious because I'm the only dude. So <laughs> then pastor, be like, who's Peter? <sighs> but if I do that in my mom's house, I'm going to get murdered. Neither can they come into my house. And I notice that the roles change. They come in and they can offer suggestions Now here's the thing, my dad is a great dad. So only a fool would not ask, go to him. But here's the thing, you gotta think about it like this. I need to grant him permission. I need to ask his wisdom in something so that he can I can bring counsel and I can actually learn from the things that he already knows. But he doesn't get to come in and just say it. Now, this is what we've got to deal with. Um so when my kids get married, this is gonna be a huge adjustment for me. I'm gonna be crying. You're going to have to help me. You're going to have to pastor me and just be like, you said it was coming and you knew it was coming and you can't be heard about this. I have to get to this place where emotionally I'm in this place where if they don't want to come and ask me as a father, if they don't think that I have anything to offer, I'm going to have to live with that. But the minute that I cross that barrier, I'm actually probably going to be working against how God wanted to do it. Even though my advice might be sound and I might be right, that's not how God does things. So I'm going to have to just settle in my heart. Now, hopefully my children, my daughters, marry girls that come to the church. Because then I still, guys, marry guys that come into the (laughs) church. (laughs) Just because they're like, oh, we're one of those. No. (laughs) But if they come into this church and they're in this authority structure, then I'm still going to be in charge because I'm their pastor. May it be so, Lord. But as a father, I can't come in. And order things according to my will as their pastor i can only do that when the lord speaks and says something does that make sense yeah. so um this is what we got to do we've got to give people a clear boundary so th- think about it like this think about it like this the reason that a lot of people are just kind of you know the strongest personality in your extended family at family reunions, just making decisions or, or ordering your kids around is because we haven't given clear boundaries. We've just let everybody guess and come to their own conclusions about this. So what we have to do is get to this place where we have the courage to be like, here's what you're allowed to do in this, um, in this scenario. But you gotta be very clear about it. It's gonna cause hurt feelings. Here's the thing. If their feelings are hurt, when you've given a good, clear, godly boundary that is, is what God wants, if their feelings are hurt, don't take the burden of guilt on yourself for that. That's their choice to make. If they want to get hurt, let them be hurt about that. But if you're like, look, we've submitted it where we need to submit it. They're just angry because it's not them that get to rule over you. You just gotta understand like, look, you're just not in charge anymore. But the beautiful thing about that is I'm not gonna be responsible anymore. So if people are just giving orders, but they're not actually responsible, meaning when it gets down in the mud, they are not there. Everybody wants to give you opinions until their opinions wreck your marriage. So what what do we do? So this is um, when Pastor, you know, you guys know Pastor Richard and Beth. My parents are retired now, but they're here. Um, they taught us this. But but also, it, I'm just going to say it. Like Pastor Beth, when I have four kids, she came in one time. And Neela had this habit of um, she was really little too, like two or something. I don't know. She was in, younger even. She, was, um, she would escape the house. She could get out of the house in a diaper and, like, run for it. And she, with a big smile on her face, you know Neela. Neela. She was like, big smile. And I'm like, she's going to get kidnapped or hit by a car. So I was in this place of like, okay, we got to discipline this child so that she gets into her head she, so she doesn't die. You know, that's what discipline is to do. Keep your kids from dying. So um, so as I was like disciplining my child, my mom comes along and she goes, Corey, she says, as grandma now, Corey, it's a little bit young to be disciplining, don't you think? And then I said, because it's the Coke family, I said, how many kids have you successfully raised? Because I feel like it could be argued only one. And I'm like, here's the deal. I've got four kids. And it seems to me that you stopped disciplining me when I was four. And the last time that you disciplined me was when I was running in front of you in the house. Not too far that you would get discouraged, but just far enough that I was singing the song from Music Machine, Have Patience. She was trying to lay hands on me and pray for me. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. If you get impatient, you only start to worry. While the Holy Spirit was screaming in my ear, little dude, stop, stop, you idiot, stop. Let her do whatever she's trying to do. And then she said famous words that every child does not want to hear. Wait till dad gets home. And he did. And uh, he enjoyed it. So, <laughs> but I'm like, hey, listen, now, now, easy now. You don't get to go in and now discipline my kids about this. And let's look back here because dad really was the one who disciplined me. That's who I learned it from. My dad is very calm, loving. You know what I'm saying? Like my mom is a little tempered. It was this thing of like, no, okay. Now you don't get to come in and direct it and correct it though. And so, so in that, she's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And she just backed out of that. And it was just a good thing for me to see model and her that I'm going to have to do with my, look, if you want to mess your kids up, it's your right, I guess. I'm just, we're going to have to figure that out and, and, and deal with it. So now here's on the other side of things, they don't get to do that unless they have permission. But on the other side of that, when Arwen was little, she'd go over to grandma and grandpa's and it's all cake and ice cream. You know, like, wait till I'm a grandparent. I'm going to be a terrible, amazing grandparent. I'm going to, oh, they're going to do whatever they want. Well, that's what my, that's what dad was doing. So Pastor Richard, and I had to have a talk with him. And I'm like, because Arwen would come home and mom would ask her to do something. And she would jump on her bed and sing the grandma, grandpa song. I want to go to grandma, grandpa's. Oh, I don't have to do anything. I don't want to there. I had to talk to my dad. I had to sit him down and say, I don't know if you're hanging out with bad grandparents. You used to be a good kid, but I don't know what happened. I blame the crowd you're in. But when my kids are at your house, you got to dial them in and keep our house rules over there too. Now, I know you're going to spoil them, but you've got to discipline these kids. They can't get away with murder over here. And my dad says, I know. It was just embarrassing for me. You know what happened to you You used to be like the old Testament drill sergeant and what happened now it's all cupcakes and doing tea parties Is that what we're doing yeah I had girls yeah I had granddaughters though so but beware this whole like I'm the patriarch of this family I'm the matriarch of this family no grandma and grandpa we don't live in the in the forest anymore fighting snakes and wild boars you know what I'm saying like It's not, no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to order all things because you're not paying the bill and God may not be speaking through you. It might just be you speaking and that's dangerous. So if my son-in-laws, I mean, God forbid, get little Manchester United jerseys for my grandkids and they, and I see this, it only feels like abuse. Abuse. We're cheering for Manchester United today, actually, for the first time in Liverpool history because they're playing Manchester City and we need City to lose. We have to. It's like when God makes horrible enemies friends for one day. (laughs) Tomorrow's going to be back to the same thing. Okay. So what do I do, though, when I see something in my extended family that's not working? What do I see? You might be a grandparent What do I see if my grandkids are... Because the other side of this, too, is like, I'm always going to be there to protect my daughters in times of duress or physical... Safety, Like they will not go hungry if there's breath in my body. So how do we like, where do we go with this here? But, but again, if they just want to do something different or buy this kind of a car instead of that kind of a car, that is not a sin against the Lord and abuse. And it's just a bad decision, you know? And so, so what do I do pastor? When I see something, this is what we say here. Gossip is when you take your problems sideways and down. So like when you're complaining to people under you or your spouse about something that is above you in the spiritual authority chain, that's called gossip. You don't want to fix it. You just want to complain. You're not talking to anybody who can fix it. So we say, take your problems up. That's why Venue Church has a zero gossip, come on church people, zero gossip tolerance. We're like, no, we we don't put up with it. We'll be like, go to some other place and wreck that church if you want to. But around here, we don't do that. We take it up. So how do we do that when this family unit has been broken off from this immediate family? This is extended. This immediate family is submitted then in the church. This is what we say to the extended family. You don't get to deal with correctional and directional stuff directly anymore. You have to take it to their spiritual authorities over here. That is what provides safety and purpose and direction. So that you can go to their small group leader and say, Hey, I've noticed something in their life. Or you can go to their pastor and be like, Hey, we're worried about these kids. Then it's like, now we're under the covering of the Lord. Now the Lord has a part to play in this and the anointing can break the yoke, the power of the devil at work in the lives of the family. But if you go in here, you might actually undo what you're trying to do and what God is trying to do. You have to have the fear of the Lord about this. So we say, take your problems up. But then somebody's mother-in-law is like, then I can't say what I really want to say to him. And I'm like, good. You shouldn't say all the crazy stuff in there or you won't hang out with your grandkids. Now, here's the trouble is that it's easy to go to my parents and get them on side against my wife. They have to agree with me. They have to agree with me. They have to be on my team. It will backfire on you. Do not complain about your spouse to your family. It will backfire on you. It will backfire. Don't complain about your spouse at all. Pray for, encourage, get direction on how God can make you better. Come under authority. So good seed. Yeah. Preach that, pastor. It's such a good word. I seem to be flopping or flying right now. <laughs> God is not confused. God is not confused. He knows the best thing for your family, for your immediate family, for your children, for your extended family. Um, also, I would say directive. This is um, I've noticed this in some of your families. like Huge extended family online chats that are like a free-for-all, that are directive and corrective. I'm like, that seems really odd to me. I'm like, if it's encouraging, I'm like, here's a scripture I was reading, praying for everybody. That's different. That's supportive and encouraging and godly. And, but it's like, I don't like the way that you. And it's a free-for-all, a directive and corrective free-for-all. Everybody's like family to family crossing over all these lines. I'm like, that seems problematic to me. And if I was you, I would just back out of those. I would. Like, why do you want to be in a place where people, you're going like to be daring people to be on their worst behavior? like, no, you don't get to do that in here. So what we're going to do is either we're going to set up a boundary that, or when, when we, you got to be very clear though, because when you go back to your family of origin, you tend to fall back into the old ways and God has freed you from those things. So you got to like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to tend to manipulate. I'm going to be tend, I'm going to gossip. We're going to get into some stupid argument about politics. So what you have to do is be very clear. Hey, we're coming from, is this going to help you? Come on. We're coming from three to six o'clock. Then we got to go get the kids home to bed. Pastor Aaron also says no is a complete sentence. You don't need to explain it to everybody and a cousin, whatever, who's got a different, who can stay up till three in the morning and he doesn't care. He's got no kids. Right. So knows the complete sentence. Hey, we can't make it this time, but we love everybody. Uh, hey, we're going to be here from three to six o'clock. And then you're just like, if you want to get into a crazy argument about politics, we're just going to agree on what we can agree on. We'll just leave the room until you're done. You know, if you want to gossip about somebody, we're just not into that. Yeah whether or not you say that but sometimes you just like oh it's starting i'm just going to go into a different room for a while and then after a while they'll be like oh they're not here they'll figure it out like hey we're not going to be judgmental and weird and be like yeah preaching like we're just like we're just not going to be a part of it you know like this just not what our family does now this is how i'm gonna preach this really weird sermon topic or the, this text here this is how god thinks about church and extended family because the church is not a threat to extended family if you really understand God in his house right. the church God's family is not an, a threat to your family if it is there's something horribly wrong with your family and you're not interested in living in purpose and destiny and helping people yeah. so I want to say if your extended family you feel threatened by this sermon there's something out with you that God really wants to kind of change in your heart today get prayed for afterwards yeah. if you've crossed over spiritual boundaries um claiming extended family lines uh that is not like a cool thing in the sight of god he's trying to you're undoing what he's trying to do and so there's a better way to do that and so this here okay says while they were at Hazaroth, miriam and aaron criticized moses older brother and sister criticized moses because he married a cushite woman so this is a weird little family situation now everybody here had their immediate families so moses had a family miriam aaron had a family So they are now an extended family. And they had a point because maybe he shouldn't have married this woman. But God had appointed Moses over over all of Israel. But in the family circles, like at family reunions, Miriam and Aaron are the older brother and sister. So at family reunions, Miriam can be like, hey, grab a dish towel. And Moses would be like, okay. Like, in here, this is your house. That's great. Okay. Um, They said... Now, if church people are the worst at this, because every church person thinks that your opinion, that God told it to you. But God is not confused. If he didn't put you in a position to change it, he's not going to speak to you about it. You have an idea, you have an opinion, that might backfire and create the exact opposite of what you're trying to do. It says, has, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? This is this super alarming thing, but the Lord heard them. Now, this is as a child when I walked into uh, the living room, and I'm like, I'm going to build this Jump, and I'm going to take my bike over it. And my dad's eyebrow went up, went up across the room. That's when you should be rethinking your life real quick. Like, this is a bad, ooh, dad heard you. Now, here's the funny thing. Aaron was the high priest of all of Israel. Did God speak to him? Certainly. Miriam was the prophetess of Israel. Did God speak to her? Certainly. But it's no excuse for crossing over spiritual authority lines watch the lord heard them now it says moses was very humble more humble than any person on earth this is how humble he was do you know who wrote this moses <laughs> he wrote the first five books of the bible now if i'm moses and the holy spirit's like write this down moses was more very humble more humble than any person on earth i'm gonna be like i'm not writing that down because that's exactly what the opposite of humble people do he was so humble that he wrote that about himself because it was true and the Holy Spirit told him to. Yeah. Now you don't understand what that's like because you're not humble. I don't I don't get it either. So He's more humble. What he's trying what the Holy Spirit is trying to show us is like Moses reaction when somebody tries a power play. Because Moses doesn't get upset, he doesn't take it personally. He doesn't like, yeah, we know well, yeah. He doesn't do any of this. He just like he's almost a spectator in the rest of this. So immediately the Lord called Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, "Go to the tabernacle, all three of you." So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Two of them very confidently, and one of them not, because one of them was humble. Then the Lord descended, Aaron and Miriam. He called and they stepped forward. They, they had something to say. They thought God was on their team. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. Uh Oh, I've heard what you had to say. My turn. If there were prophets among you, Miriam's like, I'm the chief. Oh boy. He's like, I'm going to tell you where all of this authority came from in the first place. You don't get to act. You don't walk into this house and act like you get to run over father in heaven. The all powerful one. Now you're in charge. Weren't you just supposed to be listening to me? Listen. (laughs) If there were prophets, I would reveal myself in visions and in dreams. He's like, I've given you visions and dreams, but not with Moses. Oh, of all my house, he is the one I trust. Oh, I speak with him to him face to face, clearly not in riddles. I speak to him in a way for you, That I can't speak to you. Hmm. Now you get it if you go there. But you have done something and it's been a, it's not a good thing you've done. I speak with them face to face, clearly not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. What? He sees the Lord as he actually is. You don't. Mm -hmm. You made a construct of the Lord that's okay with this. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses the Lord was very angry with him and he departed now because they use their extended family argument to overstep spiritual it says the Lord departed that's when things get crazy that's when the anointing of the Lord lifts off of a house and teenagers go nuts and people go back into addictions and with no protection of the Lord this is what you should be afraid of Um, the cloud moved and there stood Miriam her skin as, as white as snow from leprosy Now, leprosy back in this day was like the the worst thing that could happen to you. Not under the protection of the Lord. You don't get what everybody else gets. You moved yourself right out from under this. When Aaron saw what had happened, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for the sin we have so foolishly committed. So Moses cried out to the Lord. Moses in all of this has just been like... (laughs) keep looking shocked and move back into the bushes, you know, just like, Oh, I hope I haven't messed up. That's what he's thinking. So he hears Aaron. He's like, please pray for us, master. Like we're so sorry. And Moses cries to the Lord. You know, if Moses was vindictive or proud, he'd have been like, she got what she deserved. But this is your response when mom-in-law tries to, this is your, just like, I'm just going to pray and forgive and let it go. It doesn't need to be a power struggle. He goes, Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. He wasn't insecure and he wasn't personally hurt. He wasn't going to take it like that. He was just going to be like, Look, I made a mistake. She's made, we've all made mistakes. God is gracious. I'm going to ask God to heal. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let it go. So, watch this. So, Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. There's something here I want to tell you. There might be a blockage in your immediate family or extended family because you have crossed spiritual lines. Two or three million people, that's what we think Israel was probably the size of Israel, had to wait for Miriam for seven days until leprosy could run its course and God could heal her. Seven days, she's outside by herself. It will isolate you. You will not be in the presence of the Lord. You will feel the responsibility that the entire campus stopped because of you. You know that one person's overstepping spiritual authority can stop a church? One person, it's not like God is less powerful, but you've given place to something that is a demonic principle that is actually going to work against the very family that you're trying to help and save. And if you have crossed a spiritual line to get there, I want you to uncross that line today and be like, I'm coming back over here in the place that God has called me to. I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do because I care about them so much. I'm going to get back over my pride. I'm going to admit that I was wrong and I'm going to start praying that the Lord heals. And then if there's a problem, I'm going to take it to spiritual authority where it can actually get handled and the work of the enemy can actually be disrupted. I'm going to leave with this. You know, When I was um, younger, I used to be a bit of an athlete. (laughs) Ha, 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 you, you, demote her. Um, played a lot of volleyball, but I did, I've done my ankles. I've broken my, and sprained my, both my feet and my ankles on, on both sides, like 10 or 12 times each. So it makes me a little bit leery about this. Now, I think some of us, the more stubborn you are, and the quicker you heal when you're young, Um, you know how it is he's like I'm just gonna jump around I'm not gonna wear ankle braces I'm just gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna play soccer with Layden and he's gonna tackle me and break my feet where'd he go oh now he's oh now he's not here (laughs) broke my foot in indoor soccer one time he thought the slide tackle on his pastor was a good idea (gasps) you didn't know now you know this is what happens when I'm walking now and I and I hit a piece of loose gravel or something uneven when I feel my ankle go it's so embarrassing I just fall on my back It's just like watching a turtle just get flipped over. And I'm just like, oh, super helpless. But I've learned I'm not going to fight against it. I'm just going to go because I don't want the recovery time it takes to have my ankle broken again. You don't have to cross spiritual lines. As soon as you get up to it, you can be like, ooh, this doesn't feel, ooh, And just do what Moses is. He just lay on his back and he's like, oh, Lord, I hope it's not me. He didn't take it personally. He's just like, oh, God, no. I just want to be sure that I'm right with you. I just want to be speaking your words. I just want, would you heal? Somebody needs to pray, forgive people in your family. Some of you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to set boundaries in place. You need to yourself ask for boundaries to be set in place. What am I allowed to do? I just want to know. I'm just here to bless and support. Has this sermon helped you a little bit? We want God to speak because if God speaks, he will always keep his word.